I mean, just reach your hands up if you want more healing. Maybe some of that healing anointing is for you to carry healing to other people. Maybe God wants to impart a, 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 an anointing for healing, not only to heal yourself, but to put your hands on other people or speak healing to other people. If you'd like that, too, raise your hand. If you need healing, if you would like to be a healer, I think all of us would like to be healers. Lord, we want to be healers. You're a healer. We want to be like you. We want to tap into you, Lord. So we just pull on that anointing, this, uh, that scripture that says, The Son of Righteousness is rising with healing in His wings. And say, so, Lord, just release that right now, that, that healing that happens under the shadow of the wings of heaven. And just let that just, just pour over people. Let people receive that. Lord, healing of hearts, healing, healing of bodies, healing of, of disease, healing of minds. Some people, their mind needs to be healed. And that's not a bad thing. That's not saying something bad. Sometimes our emotions are just ripped. Lord, heal our emotions today. Heal our emotions. Heal those who are just, just wore out, this empty feeling. Their emotional gas tank is just on empty. Just fill them up today. Of hope, Lord, hope, hope, hope. Lord, mm, also those who of us who struggle, uh, like what Dean was talking about, struggle with making, falling through on choices and decisions and heal our wills. Give us the will of the Lord. Give us the will of the Lord that we can do the right things and overcome addictions. You know, when he said that, I believe God was inviting people who may be addicted this morning to get healed, to get free. And if that's you this morning, I just say, pull on that. Just say, Lord, I want that. It may be a private, a personal addiction. It could be anything. There's many things we could become addicted to. But if you, if you have an addiction, you know it. You know it. Don't deny it. That's how you get free is you have truth with the Lord. So, Lord, we just pull on that this morning for, all, for people who are addicted to food or drugs or looking at bad things or thinking about bad things. Mm. Even prescription drugs, sometimes people get hooked on them, um, and it's destructive. Lord, we want to be free of anything that would destroy our lives and destroy those that we love. Lord, give hope this morning to people. People who've lost hope, restore hope. And those who are suffering in your knees, particularly, I feel like the Lord wants to touch your knee. If you that, if you're one of those people, just Lord, heal knees this morning. Just restore knees. Build, put, put back in the knees the things that they need in their knees. Yeah, Donna Color. Donna Color sent me a text. She's at home sick, but she said there's. At home, watching on the Facebook thing, just she just said, "There's a powerful healing anointing flowing out." She was, she has a lot of chronic things, and she felt like the Lord was touching her. Isn't that awesome? God, there's nothing that limits God. Amen. In the Lord, good. The Lord, you're good. We want to say that we we really do because because you are, and we're feeling your goodness right now. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So I'm going to read this. You know, this is, I read this scripture last week, but I, never, I didn't tell you everything I wanted to tell you. There's one more thing in this uh, story of Elijah going to heaven that I want to tell you this morning. And so I'm going to read some of it again. If you were here last week, you can re- hear it again. And that's really uh, what got me thinking about the finished worker. When Jesus says his finish was... You know, when Elijah left and his work was finished and he that symbolic thing of, of Elijah releasing the double as Christ being the firstborn son, releasing the double to the church, the double anointing. And just thinking about that led me to thinking about the finished work of the cross. And Bob Jones once said to me, he said, if the work of the cross is not finished, nothing on earth is finished. Nothing. 
And that's the thing that has caused everything to, and will cause everything to come to completion. Amen? So let me read this. Second Kings 2, verse 7. Fifty men of the sons of the prophets went and stood facing them, while the two of them stood by the Jordan. Now Elijah took his mantle, rolled it up, and struck the water, and it was divided this way and that, so that the two of them crossed over on dry land. And so it was when they had crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what may I do for you before I am taken away from you? Elisha said, Please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. So he said, You have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I am taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. Then it happened as they continued on and talked that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? If you think about it, just thinking about that. It appeared uh, and separated the two of them. So it came between them. Even though they were walking together, if you thought about that, they were walking side by side and something came between them. It's spiritual. It wasn't physical, it was spiritual. And suddenly the spiritual realm was open. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven, like I think I mentioned like last week. You know, I've even seen pictures of Elijah going to heaven in a chariot, but it doesn't really say that. It says he went on a whirlwind. We just believe things because we don't pay attention sometimes. I think I said this last week also. I'm just fascinated when you go back to the very beginning of this chapter. It said, this is a sto- basically, this is a story when Elijah went up on a whirlwind to heaven. And people still think he went up on a chariot. It's amazing. I mean, I have read commentaries by theologians, and they were talking about Elijah going to heaven on a chariot somehow. I don't know why they were saying that. It's just they weren't paying attention. And Elisha saw it, and he cried out, My father, my my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. So he saw him no more, and he took a hold of his own clothes and tore them into two pieces, meaning he just ripped his clothes off. And, you know, then he picked up that mantle of Elijah. You know, sometimes the Bible not sometimes, but the Bible has spoken about taking off the old, right, and putting on the new. And that's really what that speaks of right there. It, it speaks of, with Elisha, his old life was over. He was no longer Elisha, the servant, the person who washed the hands of Elijah. Now Elisha stepped into a double anointing. And that's really how we step into the double anointing that Christ has offered. Is we, by putting off the old man. I think that's a, more of a New Testament thought. Putting off the old man and putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, all these are, are prophetic pictures for us to really see something. And that's why there's a story like this in the Bible. There's a story of a man who walked in a double. To encourage us that we can walk in that double. That's what John 14, 12. This is what John 14, 12 is telling us. When Jesus said, greater works will you do. Which we have thought was the most impossible thing ever. How could anybody do something greater than Jesus? But this, this is the story. This is the key to moving into that double works. That double anointing was given to us through this appointment. This, this, this story of Elijah and Elisha, but to help us see that even though Elisha is, was not the greatest prophet, Elijah was the greatest prophet, but Elisha did walk in double and did do double the, the miracles. That, and he raised a child from the dead, a widow's child, ironically, just like Elijah did. Are y'all good? Amen to that. So, I think that's good. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm, trying, I'm saying, hey, I want to tap into this double thing. If Christ died for me to have that, I want that. I'm not going to have an attitude of anything else. I'm going to have this attitude. It's possible for me to come into to my inheritance that Christ has provided. Amen? Uh, y'all are just daggone. Come on. This is Palm Sunday. I know Gene don't believe in that name, but I do. Because I don't know what else to call it anyways. Huh? 
blue root. Okay. So Elijah, Elijah told Elisha, it's awesome when, when we have an opportunity from the Lord. What are you going to do for you before I'm taken from you? Okay, that's just an awesome thing. Sometimes the Lord offers us opportunities. And he said, I want the double. And he said, I can't give it to you, basically. That's, it's, this is hard. This is a hard thing. Okay? That's what he was saying. This is really hard. You're asking for something difficult. But I got this funny feeling that Elijah prepped Elisha for that moment. Over those years, to put in his heart that there's more. There's something greater than your... Than, you can have something more than I have. Because that's what a father does. And that's what he called him. A, fa- a real father will want to see their children go b- beyond them. They will put it in their hearts that you can be more than me. You can achieve more than me. You, you can do more than me. You can be a greater, a greater person than I am. I hope you fathers are doing that. And I think that's what... And he said, but I can't, you've asked for something I can't give you. But God can give. He didn't say it, but God is the one who can give the double. So he wasn't saying it's impossible. He was saying it lies in the realm of possibility, but it's beyond my ability to give it to you. And I think that's when any time when we're really seeking something and we're asking people to pray for us, like you ever ask somebody to pray for, for you for their, for their anointing? For their, has anybody ever done that? Come on, don't, don't lie. Have you ever asked somebody to pray for you? Maybe it was a businessman who was making a lot of money, and you want to be a businessman at Mason. That's a good thing. Like, <laughs> pray for me. Put that mantle that you're carrying on your life on me. I want to be able to do this. Or somebody who's walking in a, an anointing of healing or miracles. And, and so it's a great thing to get that. But it's really not the person who gives, us, gives that to us. It's the Lord who gives it to us. It's impossible for a man to give you something, but God can give you something. I'm talking about something like that, this ability, this anointing. So this is a great thing. He says, you've got to see something. You've got to see me being taken to heaven uh, if you're going to receive this. If you can see me, you can have it. If you don't see me, you're not going to get it. And I believe Elijah knew that Elisha had some abilities working in him to see things. Don't you think that? Because Elijah had trained him and taught him, and Elijah could see things. He, he could see into the spirit realm. He could discern things. Okay? And so I'm sure as a, as a spiritual father and a mentor to Elijah, that was a big part of him helping him develop the gift that was in him, develop the ability that was in him to tap into the spirit realm. Amen? And the beautiful thing, it says, Elisha saw it. Isn't that beautiful? Everybody say, Elisha saw it. Now, that's what I want to talk to you about. I think this is key. I think this is vital for the Christian life is the ability to do what Elisha did, is to see. Okay? To see into the Spirit. The, The ability to have revelation. The ability to have insight into spiritual things. This is what God has for us. Now, I've written down a couple things. I'm going to read it to you because I can't quite say it. Why do we need spiritual vision? Have you ever thought about it? Why do we need that? Why do we need spiritual vision? Or why do we need revelation? Why do we need insight? So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to use the word revelation because personally speaking, because what is revelation? Revelation, by definition, is this. Something has, is being revealed that was not revealed. Something that has been made known that was not known. That's what revelation is. So that's what Elisha had at that moment. The spiritual world that's right here around us, suddenly he saw into that world. Okay? It was made known to him what was happening in that world. And because he was able to see what was happening in that world and because he was not distracted by the fiery chariots and was able to watch, keep his eyes on Elijah, he was able to receive something. And so distractions are a big deal and that's the problem. I'm going to go ahead and say it up front. That's the problem with Christianity today. We're distracted about a lot of things and it's keeping us from being able to function in this ability that God has given each one of us. And so when we begin to see, this is why this is important to be, to be able to see, to have revelation, is because you begin to see what God's seeing. 
And when you see God, what God's saying, you can see the potential and how what God would like to do in those situations and those circumstances when He releases His power there. That's why we need to see. Are y'all into this? Yeah. I'm big into it. Okay? So, um, and you can do that in any area of your life. I'm not talking about just church. I'm not talking about just praying for time. I'm talking about when your family situation with your children. Wouldn't, you, wouldn't a parent love if they begin to see something about their child that was going to lead them in the wrong direction and be able to step in there and circumvent that and change that? Or wouldn't you like as a business person to be able to see something in front of you that you're headed towards that could be potentially damaging to your business or be potentially lucrative to your business and you could easily miss it if you just used your natural knowledge. Wouldn't it be awesome to have that? Right? Well, you do have it. That's the thing. You have it. And that's what I want to convince you of this morning. One of the greatest charges that Jesus brought against the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the teachers in His days is they did not have, they, was, they were not functioning with their spiritual eyes. He said these people, are, their hearts are calloused They don't see, they don't hear, they don't understand. That was his biggest judgment against him. One time he was saying to them, you guys are able to look at the sky and predict the weather, yet you can't discern the times you're living in. And he was saying that as an admonishment to them. He was saying that in terms of you should be able to discern the times because God has given you that ability. And I think that's the the truth with us. God has imparted to every believer... This ability. See, we've got this illusion about it. We have an illusion that this is a spiritual gift. And it's not a gift. You will not find seeing in the Spirit as a spiritual gift in the Bible. We think it's for prophets, but it doesn't say that. A prophet may not necessarily, he may just be saying stuff. He may be hearing stuff. Are you all okay? Kind of looking at me like, well... Let me read this to you. Well, okay, here's something else I wanted to say. I I was thinking about this morning. If Jesus came today in your life, would he need to address the fact that you're not seeing, that you're not walking in revelation? Would he need to do that? Now ask yourself that. Would that be something he would like to say to you like he said to those guys about the sky? Like, hey, Will, picking on Will. Will, you can watch the Weather Channel all day and understand what's going on with the weather. But Will, you, you're, you're blind to what's going on around you all the time. I'm moving in your life all the time and you're not even seeing it. I don't think that about Will, but I think he does. But would, would that be something the Lord might want to say to you and me? I think he would. I really do. Here's uh, something Paul said. Knowledge puffs up. But love edifies. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. So there's knowledge. There's, there's knowledge. There's a wrong kind of knowledge. There's a knowledge that leads you into pride. That's natural human knowledge. And Paul says that knowledge ultimately will puff you up. And the Bible says God knows the proud from afar. That does not mean that God's moved away from the proud. That means the proud has moved away from Him. God doesn't move away from anybody, but we move away from Him. And so a proudful person will resist God and begin to move away from God. Y'all good? Anyways, so we should not settle for just knowing, and this is what I've de- defined knowing, uh, you know, that kind of knowledge is knowing about God. Don't settle for knowing about God, because knowing about God will lead you into pride. Do y'all hear that? That's, the, that's what Paul was talking about. He was saying, don't settle for just having that knowledge. Settle for, there's another knowledge you can have. There's a revelatory knowledge. You can actually know God. That's what he was trying to get to the people. You can know God. You can engage God. You don't have to know about God or about the things of God. You can actually know Him. Don't settle for that lower level knowledge. That's what Paul was trying to, to bring across to people. There's something greater. And you don't have to settle for this. Because if you do, it's not going to be good for you. All right. Yes, sir. It leads you into legalism and religion. And that's why the church is so full of that stuff. That's why we get legalistic. That's why the religious spirit is able to operate in our life. Because we've settled for something. 
We've settled for natural knowledge, natural understanding about God and the ways of God. We take the Bible, we read it, we try to dissect it and figure it out and calculate how God is. And why God did this and why God did that. Impossible. You can't even understand John 3.16 without enlightenment. You didn't get saved because you figured it out. You got saved because God revealed your need of salvation. And that's how the whole Christian life is about. And that's how Elisha got that double. He saw. And God wants people to see. Let me read this to you. I find kind of passionate about this. Everybody has their little pet thing, right? You got your pet revelations, your pet thing. That in fact, it's your fat. This is one of my greatest pets, I guess you could say. I love this pet. I pet it all the time. I feed it all the time. I study this. I've studied. I've been studying this diligently for years. John 3, 1 through 3. This is what I discovered. This is the simple version. I got to hurry up. It says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. So he was a. Amazing man, Nicodemus was. He was a man of the Pharisees. He mean, he was a learned man. Jesus, even down a few verses, called him a teacher of Israel. You're a teacher. You know stuff. You've studied the Bible. You know the Bible better than anybody the Pharisees did. They knew the Bible. And these were the people Jesus was not happy with about their inability to see or their lack of using what God had given them. And this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, We know that you're a teacher from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So he was seeing something. He was seeing what everybody else was seeing. He was seeing God heal people. He was seeing people getting delivered from demons. And it was confusing to him. It was confusing. He was confused by it. Like, this guy shouldn't be able to do this. Where did he get such knowledge? Where did he get such power? That was their question. They were totally confused confused by Jesus and they went from that confusion to being threatened and then they went from that being threatened to wanting to kill him because they knew that he was going to you know, upset the apple cart and so he's a good example Nicodemus is a good example of a man who has a lot of understanding of the Bible a man who had a lot of understanding about God but didn't know God he didn't know God because God was standing right in front of him and he didn't recognize him. Okay? And Jesus was knowing this about him. Obviously, Jesus had this guy like, this dude's in trouble. And so, he didn't really understand what Jesus was all about. And he said, and then Jesus, this is this Jesus' answer. Uh, Jesus' answer said, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, Listen, now I want you to get this. Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. This is the only place in the Bible where it gives us a prerequisite to seeing spiritually. This is the only place I can find. If there's some other place, I haven't found it yet. Are y'all getting this? And what was the prerequisite? Just being born again. He was saying, Nicodemus, if you're going to really be able to know who I am and know what I'm doing and really understand what's really going on right now, what's really happening right now, you just need to get born again. And when you get born again, you will have this ability. You will have this ability to see things, to see me for who I am, see what I'm doing. That was what Jesus was telling the guy. And if you're in here born again this morning, you have been given an ability from God. You were, when you were born again, it came. It's just like when you were born as a little baby, unless something was bad wrong with you, you were born with eyeballs to see, ears that could hear stuff, hands that could feel stuff, a tongue that could taste things. And there, and the reason you have all that is because in your spirit, you have the same thing. Your spirit man has all of those five spiritual senses. And that's why Jesus was admonishing people. You should be able to see. It's what he was telling the Pharisees that day about the weather. You should be able to see the times. You should know what's going on. Nicodemus, you should know who I am. 
You're a teacher of Israel and you don't know me. You don't recognize the person you've been teaching about. And he's standing in front of you. He's standing right here speaking to you. And you don't know him. Because he was functioning from his natural mind. And his, what he knew and what he had studied. And believe me, I'm telling you, I'm not against studying. I, I, mean, I think studying is a great thing. I think natural intellect is an awesome thing in the right place. But when it comes to God, it can't be the thing. It can't be the thing. Because if it's your thing, then you've lost. You're missing everything. You've missed the whole point. There's a greater knowledge. That's what Paul was saying. Don't settle for that. Have that, but that's not your thing. That's just sort of there to help you along, kind of put some practical pieces together in your life. Woo, mercy, Lord. That's how I'm feeling. <laughs> so when, when you're born again, when you're born again, when we're born again, we're born into the kingdom of God. That's what he was saying. There needs to be a shift Nicodemus, you need to, there needs to be something that happens to you that you, you, you've already been born into the natural world. There's another world you need to be born into. And when you're born into that world, then things, you can begin to, to deal with that world. So you've been born again, so you have this ability to function in the kingdom of God, which the kingdom of God is an invisible kingdom. And when you were, the realities of the kingdom, not only were you, born into that world, that world was born into you. The reality of God's kingdom, Jesus says the kingdom's inside of you. Do y'all get this? It's in you, therefore the ability to connect with that kingdom is in you. It's not just something you're trying to figure out out here. It's within you. These abilities are in you. These spiritual uh, abilities, this, these eyes, these ears, they're not gifts. I'm telling you, I'm resisting it. Don't use the word gift when it comes to seeing in the Spirit. Don't use the word gift when it comes to revelation. Don't use the word gift when it comes to hearing. Those are not gifts. They have been given to us. They're abilities. Now, it is true, some people, when they're born again, their, get, their ability to see is advanced. It's advanced. And some people like me, when it's not advanced, it's undeveloped, it's low level, right? There are people with advanced, they were born again and they're seeing everything all the time. There's angels. Where? I'm not seeing an angel. How, come, how are you able to see it? Oh, you got some special gift. Oh, you're this special person. It's not true. It just means. For whatever reason, God chose to give them a more advanced ability and you a less advanced ability. Are y'all getting this? I'm hoping I'm, I'm trying to convince some people this morning because this is the, how you want to get the double. This is what Paul said uh, to uh, Second Corinthians. I got to hurry up. 12.1. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I will. No, he didn't say, oh, I may. I may have a dream. I may have this revelation. No, he said, I will. I will. I, see, Paul was convinced in his heart that this is my rightful inheritance as a son. God has given me this ability. Therefore, I will. So, I'm going to tell you this. Until you settle that fact... In your life, that one fact, you'll, it'll never work for you. It'll be random. It might work here and there. Random, random vision, random dream, random revelation. But when you settle the fact that God has given you that, things will shift. You've got to believe it. You've got to know that you have it. You've got to know this is not for special people. Once I was reading... These very verses. And I read that verse 3. Unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom. And I was thinking about it. And as I thought about it, I heard the Holy Spirit say something to me. This is what he said. You can't see, can you, Byron? I'm like, mm-mm. No. And I'm confused. I'm confused because I'm born again. That's how I felt sitting there that day. I felt confused. Like, this is what this is saying, but 
And he said, this is what he said to me. I'm going to teach you how to see. I'm going to teach you how to see. And I said, yes. Yes. And within one hour, God sent an Elijah person into my life. An Elijah person. Within one hour, I get this phone call and get this Elijah person. His name was Bob Jones. Now, Bob Jones was a gifted prophet, okay? I'm not saying I I got this gifted prophet thing. No, he just began to talk to me about this whole thing, about seeing, about hearing. It wasn't about a gift. It wasn't about giving prophecies. It was just about, Byron, you need to tap into your inheritance. That's why he always used to say to me, this is what you, I think I said this to y'all one time. Bob would come, or, or you'd go to a meeting, he'd be in, he'd pray for all these people. Hey, Bob, and you'd sit there waiting on him, patiently waiting. Then he gets through praying. Hey, Bob, will you pray for me? And he'd look at me, you don't need prayer. You just need to use what you have. I'm like, oh, no, I do need prayer. You just don't know. I need you to pray for me. No, you need to use what you have. And once I said, Bob, hey, can you, what you just shared, can you pray for me about it? And he said, did you understand what I said? I said, yeah, I did. He said, that's, you got it then. That's right out of the Bible. Did you know that? It's out of Matthew 13. Go read Matthew 13. It'll talk about understanding. You know, I may not, I didn't may not at that moment understand it in my mind, but in my heart, my heart was telling me something. So what will happen if you will settle this? I'm giving you some little hints here. If you will make this decision today, I'm trying to get you to a decision, that this is my rightful inheritance. God will do His part. If you can settle in your heart to say, Lord, I believe because I'm born again, I can see. Then God will go to work on your behalf. If you will believe and say and have that same heart like Paul says, well, I'm going to come to visions and revelations. God, God's going to visit me. God's going to talk to me. Listen, let me tell you this. Not every night I do this. Not every night. Because some nights I go to bed and it's like, you know, you hit the pillar. You know what I'm saying? You just hit the pillar and you're gone. But if I lay down, I'm kind of awake I, and I pray. I do try to pray before I go to sleep unless I hit the pillar. One of my prayers is, Lord, Lord, give me a dream from you. And I don't care, Lord, what it's about. Just whatever you want to talk to me about. I would say, and I'm being really conservative, I would say 70% of the time when I ask the Lord to do that, He does it. 70% of the time. The other 30%, I don't know, man. You know, maybe He did and I didn't remember. But you know what I'm saying? But God will respond to us. And it's amazing when God gives you, and some of it's very short stuff, and lots of times, most of the time, it's not about me, it's about somebody else. And then you talk to the person, and they'll say, Oh, you won't believe what's going on in my life. Over a little short little dream you saw that God was wanting you to talk to them or pray for them or reach out to them in some ways. So what I'm saying is you have to be intentional about this thing to see this thing developed in you. You're not, it's not that we're teaching, I'm going to teach you how to see, okay? Because we don't teach our children how to see. But we do teach them how to use their eyes to look at this. Look at, listen, when we're walking across the street, hold my hands because look down there. Look down there. That's what we're doing. We're teaching them to use what they have. Nobody can teach you how to, to see. God has given you the ability to see. You just need someone to help hold your hand and tell you where to look, how to look, when to look. And that was a great thing about Bob John. I love sitting in church services with him. He'd sit there and tell you the whole time with the first time I ever came here, he said, Byron, you're missing so much more than, than you're getting here. It's like, really? Well, help me, Bob, because I don't know what I'm missing. <laughs> you know, you don't know what you're missing. Anyways. So, I really want to encourage you about that. i got to get done here, you know. Um, you know, and there's, there's just so much to this. I, I wanted to read this John 19 thing. Because this is about Nicodemus. It's just profound how your life can change. His life was profoundly altered that day. Profoundly altered. When that day of meeting with Jesus. Because evidently Nicodemus got born again. 
And evidently, suddenly he began to see Jesus for who Jesus really was. Otherwise, he wouldn't have done this thing. Listen to this. This is a great introduction to Easter, right? Uh, this is after Jesus was crucified. It says, after this, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a, a wealthy man, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission, so he came and took the body of Jesus. And Nicodemus, who at first came to Jesus by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pounds. These were for preparing his body. For, it was like the embalming, what they did with dead people back in those days. Listen to this. This is profound right here. Verse 40, Then they took the body of Jesus... They took the body of Jesus. Remember what the body of Jesus was like at that moment? The, Isaiah says he was unrecognizable as a man. He had been beaten so bad. He had been tortured. He was tore apart. No ruler of the people, no teacher would go and take a dead body of a criminal. Because in their minds, that's what he was. He was a criminal. And he deserved what he got. No one would do that. No one would do that. Have you ever touched a dead body? If you've ever touched a dead body, you know what I'm like, Nobody wants to touch a dead body. But I tell you what you will do. I've touched dead bodies. I've had to almost pull people out of coffins. Because their loved one was laying there. And they were trying to crawl up in there with them. They were so broken. If it's somebody you love, touching their body is not a big deal. I remember holding my baby's body that was dead. There was nothing eerie about it. There was nothing weird about it. But I've touched other bodies like, oof, because it don't feel good. It feels lifeless. And so that's what, that's what happened to this man. Suddenly he saw who Jesus really was. Because why did he see him? Because he was born again. And he was able to see this person and see that he wasn't a common criminal. And he took his dead... I got this picture, or not a picture, but a, you know, thing somebody drew of Nicodemus holding Jesus, holding a lifeless body in his arms. And Jesus is all hanging down. It's a pretty, pretty powerful picture. I've sat and stared at that picture for hours. Thinking, how in the world did he do this? Oh, what moved him? Well, what moved him was he saw Jesus for who Jesus really was. And he was able to do something. He was able to take something. And it says, um, now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden is a new tomb in which no one had been laid. And a lot of people think that was Joseph's tomb you know, that he owned. So they, there laid, they laid Jesus because of the Jews' preparation day for the, you know, for the tomb was nearby. So what I'm saying here, the purpose of this whole thing about seeing in the, in the Spirit, about revelation, it's not, it's not what we've made it to be. It's something much more profound. It is, it's something way more profound. Yes, it is. <laughs> And God really wants His people. Because he's, he's reaching to His people. In Hebrews it says, it, it, it says that people, you will develop this ability by reason of use. This, this ability to, to your spiritual eyesight, your spiritual hearing. By reason of use, you develop it. That's what, that's what the writer of Hebrews said. That's what you do. You, you develop it. You pursue it. You don't just say it's for prophets. You don't just say it's for special people. You go after it. You make it a priority in your life. Otherwise, you won't be able to pick up a dead body. You won't be able to drag a person out of a coffin. You do that when you see something other people don't see. Everybody's just seeing brokenness and you're seeing something else. I'm just telling you, this is the truth. You're going to see some awful things in this life. And you're going to experience some awful things in this life. And God will put you in that place if you can see. If you can see beyond the awful. I thought about, I thought about some terrible things that I've seen and heard. I can, 
I could just go down the list. You know how there's nothing more agonizing than to get a phone call in the middle of the night of a man, a husband, screaming that his wife just died. That's an agonizing moment. But if you're not hearing Jesus, if you're not hearing the Holy Spirit, there's not, you know, you don't even, you want to run the other way. I mean, you want to run the other way anyway. <laughs> Your flesh does. But, you know, that's the, that's the distractions. I got to stop. But I really want to say this. There's distractions in this life. There's, there's good distractions like your family, taking care of your family, making a living. That's what the Bible calls the cares of this life. And it does tell us that can destroy your spirituality if you let that overcome you. And then there's distractions of the Lord, like the chariot, or like a revival, or God doing something. You get so focused on God, what God's doing, you forget about God. God's gone in the thing. Are you all right? But then there's all this other stuff. There's all this stuff like that. There's tragedy. There's tragedy. That was Nicodemus didn't let Jesus' tragic death come between him and God. It didn't stop him from believing that Jesus was who he said he was. And the reason he didn't, because he saw something. And it was not, it was, it was unable to drag him away and make him believe something that wasn't true. Because he saw and he knew. He may have said in his mind, I don't understand why God would die like that. I don't understand it. I don't get it. But I know he's still God and he, I'm going to get him. He would have never done that. He would have never done it. If he couldn't see. Yeah. And so, you know, I was thinking about all this bad stuff people go through. And this is what I kept hearing the Holy Spirit said, Yeah, but don't let that distract you from me. Over and I went through one thing after the other. And he kept saying, Yes, but don't let that distract you from me. Don't, because all that will, all that will distract you. It'll all distract you. If Nicodemus would have got distracted, he still went to heaven because he was born again. But he would have missed, he would have missed, what, look what he would have missed. He would have missed being the guy who took Jesus and took care of Jesus' body. That, by the way, was going to come back alive, you know. It is amazing when you think about it. Think about that a minute. We're missing a lot of things. I think we're missing a lot of opportunities because we're distracted. Some of you, you're stuck. your past is defining you. I wanted to say that this morning. Some of you's past is defining you. Good past, bad past. It's defining you. And I'm going to tell you right, your past does not have a right to define you. Now, I'm going to tell you, it's going to mark you. Jesus was all marked up. His past marked him bad. He's all scarred up. He's all marked up. But it didn't tell him who he was. He found out, well, he knew already, but he let us know, like, I'm going to let y'all kind of, when he was baptized, and the Father says, you are my beloved son. Only God the Father has a right to define you. Y'all get that? Your, your busted up past has not a right to it, and it's going to hold you. It's going to imprison you. Or even your good past, and suddenly you can't live up to it no more. Are y'all good? And so I think that's what Nicodemus did. I think he, I think he really did. Here's another thing I wanted to say. Offense. Offense. You're offended. Being offended, being angry, being mad about things. Being put off, that will keep you out. That will distract you. That will distract you. Your opinions, like, oh, that was a big Bob Jones thing. You don't have a right to your opinion. That's what he told me one time. I was telling something I thought about somebody else. You don't have a right to your opinion. Like, what do you mean? Okay. Because that's not God's opinion. It really will keep you out. 
Oh, mercy, Lord, I'm, I got this prayer. I found this prayer. This is really weird, okay? All those things can be like fiery chariots, by the way. Your opinion, anger, that's, that's your fiery chariot. All that. Fiery chariot. I'm mad. They didn't do what they were supposed to do. So I was reading this thing, and I read this prayer. I thought, wow, this is a great prayer. So I wanted you to pray it with me this morning. Would y'all be willing to pray this prayer? This is a good prayer. It's not my prayer. It's somebody else's. But I thought, oh, I like this. So I want us to end. And I, you know how in the weddings you, you uh, the vows, how you do the, the preacher does the vows. I listen. You always got to tell the people this. I'm going to do the vows. I'm going to say it really short. And then I'll look at you. And you say it after me. I'm going to do it. You know what I'm saying? You ever notice all that? You got to be careful because you could just run away. And they're looking at you like you're an idiot. I've done that. Like, oh, you lost me a long time ago. I sort of learned the hard way. You got to say a few words, and then they'll look back, and then they'll say them. Because people just don't keep up with you good. So that's how we're going to do this. I'm going to say a few words, and I want you to repeat them after me. It's a prayer, but we're repeating it to the Lord. I'm gonna, so I'm, what I'm telling you, I'm going to help you with it. So I would like for you to stand up, and I'm going to tell you this right now about this prayer. I'm going to tell you right now, God is going to take this prayer seriously. He's going to take it real seriously. Okay? He's going to take it seriously. She's got something. So I feel like what the Lord is actually calling us into today is friendship with Him. Because the Word says that the slaves don't know what the master's doing, but the friends do. And this morning in prayer, I really got that. I felt like there was an anointing going to be released a new level of anointing for us to come into friendship with God. And ultimately, I believe the whole reason for seeing is because God really does want us to know what he's doing because we're his friends. It's really about that. It's about entering into his heart. It's not, you know, just for a game that we play or just for fun that we get to do. It's, there's a, a purpose in it because we're friends. Friends know what their friends are doing. And that's really what I feel this morning about this whole message, that God is simply just saying, hey, you're my friends, and I really want you to know what I'm doing. I want you to see. And that's that's what I was feeling. So I wanted to say that before this prayer because I felt like it might be. She just upgraded the whole thing, right? When I turned my last birthday in September, gosh, I'm getting old, but... That was what I asked the Lord for, is friendship. Lord, I, I just want to be friend. I want to figure out how to have this friendship with you. Uh, because I realize I don't think I'm getting this friendship thing. And that really, what she said, really brings it down. Is God wants to show us what he's doing. That's what friends do and reveal himself to us. and So we can have friendship. Because how in the heck are you going to be friends with this invisible character? Okay? You can't be unless he reveals himself. And when he begins to reveal yourself, you can engage him in friendship. Thank you for sharing that. That was really good. All right, so repeat after me. Lord, I ask you to increase the unity among the people in my family, work, ministry, and church. I know the enemy wants to get a foothold by creating division. I pray that our spiritual eyes would be open to see any divisive schemes so we don't fall prey to them. When we are feeling angry, offended, hurt, annoyed, opinionated, help us not to partner with those feelings. But to tell the enemy he has no place and declare the opposite spirit. Help us to create an environment of love and honesty instead of bitterness and gossip. When there are times I need to communicate how I've been hurt by someone, Help me to say it in love and be brave in my communication.
Lord, I ask you to do this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to tell you one last little two-minute story. This happened in the year 63 B.C. Okay, that's 63 years before Jesus showed up. There was a Roman general named Pompey. At the time, he was the most powerful, probably the most powerful man on earth. Okay, and he invaded and conquered Israel. You know, when Jesus came, the Romans were in rule. This is the man who did it. Well, in Pompey's mind, he had a right because he conquered them to go into the temple and go into the Holy of Holies. That's what he, that was his thinking. So that's what he did. And he went into the Holy of Holies, which was forbidden for anybody except the high priest once a year to make intercession for the people. And evidently, every once in a while they'd go in there and some of them would die because they tied a rope to high priest. Literally. Because some of them would get in there and couldn't get out. And they had to drag them out. And nobody could go in and get them. If they died, it would be a stinky mess, right? Pompey went in there and he was stunned. This is, he was stunned. He said, there's nothing in here. And you know what? There was a lot in there. He just couldn't see it. Well, when I read that story, I was, I was stunned. Like, my gosh, how much are we saying? God's not here. God's not doing this. God's not doing that. And we're just missing the whole thing. We're just missing it. So I really want to encourage you today. Okay? I want to encourage you to really begin to pull on heaven about the, your abilities to connect with heaven, your ability to see, to hear, revelation, dreams, visions. Hearing God, feeling God, feeling God, smelling God, all of that. I just encourage you to go at it. You have it in you. You have it in you. You're born again. It's yours. Ask God to send people to help you.